Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing, episode 369. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 369. Well, it's October 3rd, and for most of us around the country, it's time to start thinking about planting our bulbs for next spring. I recently immersed myself in this topic thanks to an assignment from Garden Design Magazine, whose editors asked me to interview and write about Chanticleer Garden's bulb scheme. I interviewed Eric Sue, their plant information coordinator. The article is called Planted Palettes. It's out in the autumn 2018 issue of Garden Design. You can find the article on newsstands now or order a copy online from gardendesign.com. In writing this story, I learned volumes about designing spring landscapes and container gardens with familiar and unfamiliar bulbs. My 14-page article is illustrated with gorgeous images from Rob Cardillo, an award-winning photographer I've known for years through the Garden Writers Association. You'll love every page, and the publication of what Garden Design Magazine is calling its Joy of Bulbs issue has inspired me to focus on bulbs in today's podcast. I've wanted to visit Longfield Gardens U.S. headquarters in Lakewood, New Jersey for a number of years. A trip to Philadelphia last week brought me pretty close to that spot, so I invited myself out to the Jersey Shore about 90 minutes east of Philadelphia to tour Longfield's bulb operations and trial and test gardens. My thanks to Longfield for sponsoring Slow Flowers for the past few years. I've worked closely with Kathleen LaLiberté on bulb-themed stories and promotions, and it's Kathleen who helped arrange my visit. I'm so grateful that it all worked out to spend a morning there and meet with Hans Langeveldt, co-owner of Longfield Gardens, and Jen Fow, marketing director. Both are today's guests. Here's a little bit more about them. Hans Langeveldt grew up in the heart of Holland's bulb-growing region, and he's been involved in horticulture his entire professional career. As an enthusiastic gardener himself, he has a unique perspective on flowering bulbs that stretches from the breeders and growers in Holland to his own backyard in New Jersey. At Longfield Gardens, Hans is responsible for account management and quality control of all their bulbs. Jen Fow grew up in a gardening family in New Jersey and graduated from the Cornell School of Agriculture with a degree in marketing. She joined Longfield Gardens in 2009 and launched the company's online store in 2011. In addition to managing e-commerce, Jen is also deeply involved in the company's wholesale business where she oversees product selection, merchandising, marketing, and the customer 
experience. You'll want to visit today's show notes for episode 369 to find links to some of the bulb planting, harvesting, and care resources that we discuss, as well as Longfield Garden's online catalog of bulbs to order and plant this fall, including the cutting garden collections and best-selling combinations of flowers and palettes that we discuss, not to mention articles and videos on planting and more. Fall is in the air, and I think we're all ready for it. That said, there's still the promise of spring 2019. So with visions of bulbs in our dreams, I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to be coming to you from Lakewood, New Jersey, home of Longfield Gardens in the U.S., and I want to introduce my two guests. Um, first, we have Hans Langevelt, and then we also, who is one of the co-owners, and he's going to talk all about what we need to know right now for planting our bulb gardens, and Jen Fow, and Jen is the marketing director, and they've just given me a awesome tour. So thank you for the wonderful welcome. Thank you for thank having you. us. Yeah. <laughs> um, give us a little snapshot, Hans, of what we, what, what we have here. I mean, this is like the U.S. headquarters for Longfield Gardens, right? Yes, this is where we um, receive and process all the bulbs that we mostly buy from uh, places like Holland. Uh, we get import bulbs from, from England, um, other places of the world. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is where we, where we uh, pack and distribute um, and prepare for shipments. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of millions of bulbs, right? I mean, what is the... <laughs> pa- yes. Paint a picture for me. How many bulbs are in this building? Uh, many. Yeah. Many. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yes, we, we process um, literally millions of bulbs. Wow, correct. wow, yes. that's and, amazing. And each bulb needs their own um, way of packing, uh, treatment, before we before we actually ship it out to the customer. What Hans is talking about is when we go to pack and ship bulbs, we know um, the best way for them to sit in storage. So, for mm-hmm. instance, a dahlia goes on peat, mm-hmm. a begonia right. goes on wood shavings, and that's all to control moisture in the mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. So, when they come in, we are repackaging them to make sure that they're going to, when the consumer receives them, they're going to be in the right conditions so that the bulb doesn't dry out or doesn't mold or doesn't mush. It's like perfect right. for the, the home gardener or the farmer florist who wants to grow that immediately when they get it. Right. Yeah. Correct. Um, Hans, I know you mentioned that bulbs are coming in from um, from England and Holland. And I think, uh, Dave, your your colleague was telling me there's some product you're bringing in from Israel um, as well. Do you buy any U.S. bulbs? Is there a wholesale market for U.S.-produced bulbs? Yes, we do buy um, quite a few bulbs from the U.S. as well. What varieties would they be? Like would be caladiums in the spring. Okay. Caladium bulbs. Um, we do buy uh, uh, bulbs like, uh, like Callas from the West Coast. Okay. Um, so certain categories gladiolus. have a U.S. Um, there's enough volume that you yes. can buy it at the wholesale level. Yes, yes, yes. And but, the very specific types of bulbs. Mm, and so I, I kind of, not to go too heavy into this, but I, you know, this whole idea that's, you know, my platform, Slow Flowers, is all about American grown flowers. I feel like there's, a, that's a little bit of a, um, it, it just it takes a little bit of understanding that most seeds that we're growing are coming from elsewhere in the world, as are the bulbs, just because it's a global marketplace for those that material, right? right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unless you happen to want to propagate them yourself. 
Um, yes, but we wouldn't have enough space for that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I could do that with one, you know, like one plant in my backyard. Well, yeah, Holland is yeah. the number one producer of plant material. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even when you look at perennial material that's coming from greenhouses, a lot of that plant material, the starts for it are coming out of Holland. Right. So I learned about that too with orchids coming from Asia. You're getting that tissue culture yeah. that is grown on here. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But the gardener is in the U.S., and the gardener is, you know, say the flower farmer who's producing lots of tulip, cut tulips, is essentially farming it here. They're just using the raw material that's that you bring in. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, because once the bulbs are um, uh, brought in from the growers, then they're, uh, you know, big enough to produce anywhere pretty much in the country, mm -hmm. even the right treatment mm -hmm. uh, to produce the flowers. Wow. So for for professional growers or gardeners, um, uh, there's no, there should be no issues yeah. growing them. Yeah. And you and said, you said that you're, you could ship anywhere in the country. Are people buying, uh, your tulip bulbs or other bulbs in all 50 States? I mean, much. wow. Except yeah. for Hawaii. We just don't ship to Hawaii, but we right. even ship to Alaska. So, wow. yeah. um, yeah. we, uh, why just the horticultural rules are stricter. Sure. So. I know California has got a lot of tricky rules with plants too so we're here okay it's it's very end of september and you said just this week you're starting to fulfill orders for people who go to longfield-gardens.com right and shop for bulbs yes we just started, started shipping this week because um pretty much we we wait till the um the the, the time is right and the, the time is right when the temperature starts dropping mm -hmm. particularly the soil temperature um, you kind of want the soil temperature to be less than 60 degrees before you actually, you know, can Plant. start planting the bulbs. Yeah. And um, at the same time, you know, people have now um, are starting to prepare the garden for the fall. Sure. You know, summer, summer flowers are starting to bloom out and it's the right time to for the customers to get them. Well, for me, I'm not going to plant my tulip bulbs until I'm done with my dahlias, which are still kind of blooming in Seattle. But probably by the end of October, I mean, that would that... That fall in That's line. With, perfect time, okay. yes. Yes. Um, one of the things that Jen mentioned when we were on the tour is that um, you have two lines of business. And so the, the wholesale business is really the the product that we see all over the country inside Costco's. That That's like a very popular fall item at Costco's to get bags of bulbs, colorful bags of bulbs. Um, so that's already in the stores. People can find that now, right, at, at the Costco level? Or, yes, yes. I mean, maybe there's other mass outlets too but that's the most the one that i'm most familiar with right that's that, that product is um sold right now until pretty much um usually middle of november mm -hmm. um and um and that ships a little bit before we start shipping the, directly to the consumers yeah and the reason you were saying is that the the product that's at costco um they need a couple months to sell it so they get it early whereas the right. online shopper can get product on demand. Okay. Yeah. All right. Or like you said, yeah. what did you say about two weeks before they need to plant? Yeah, about two weeks before they need to plant. Um, now that we're shipping, though, as soon as they place the order, they have the ability um, to either the orders either process within 48 hours or they can pick a ship date. So say that you know you don't want to plant until the end of October, you can actually select a ship date later and we'll mm -hmm. hold the product here. Well, I learned that the reason to do that is you sell out of the most popular varieties. So ordering early is okay, is, and, and you could still get it when you want it, but you better, I'd better grab those popular varieties, right? Yes, yes, yes. but we do sell out of those 
Oh, yeah, there's right. nothing more depressing than to be on your website and seeing <laughs> and sold out right, over right, right. Yeah. <laughs> a beautiful variety. Some of that has yeah. to do with harvest, too. You know, some plants, there's just more limited harvests on. So so your quantities are lower. Yeah, we yeah. naturally just receive a lower quantity. So yeah. we sell out faster um, sure. than predicted. So sure. it's always best on, you know, when you're shopping this product. And if you want a broad selection, you need to shop early in the season because— we're not generally bringing in a lot of product at this point. So what we have is what we're selling. So you can forecast. You yeah. know when you're going to run out. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think it's really fascinating, too, when you talked about the who your customer is. Can you share a little bit about the demographic of the of the bulb enthusiast? I think I fit right into that niche, right? <laughs> the traditional bulb consumer is female, 55-plus, highly educated, and their income level is relatively high. Um it, it's been the traditional bulb consumer for as long as we've known bulbs. That's really great for people who are even flower farmers to know about who are they buying, who, who's going to buy their flowers. But it's probably a little different with the flowers than the bulbs, right? I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are buying flowers, buy them for holidays and gifts mm -hmm. and everything else. And maybe a broader demographic. Yeah, yeah. weddings. Um, but I think that um, what... What's interesting is it's just, you know, the more time you have, the more people are avidly gardening. And that's mm -hmm. a true across the whole garden mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. So, you yeah. know, the more time you have, the more you garden. Yeah. And yeah. you also um, you also mentioned that you do garden with your child, your, your six-year-old. So there is this, I think, this younger gardener that wants to experiment with, you know, color and variety and have a cutting garden it may be just not quite as um yeah i think that the big chunks of time is smaller chunks right. of time right i think that the younger generation is getting into it more and more and i think that's been driven a lot by the cut the cut flower growers that mm -hmm. are coming off the west coast mm -hmm. um I, you know you see a lot on social media and i think um what we're learning to do when we're younger and gardening is just trying to find ways to make it easier to garden i mean i have certain patches that flip over certain mm -hmm. times of year um, raised beds are an awesome trick for growing right. yeah. bulbs, and it makes it easy for well, us. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the techniques that you would recommend. I know, Hans, so you've been a bulb expert forever. And, like, what would you recommend for some of the fun new ways that people can um, plant bulbs? And I guess we're kind of, we're primarily talking about tulips right now, right? Or, yes, that's okay. what you planted this time. Okay. Yes. So, you know, what, what do... What do I do if I just have a, a, what, a shrub border and I want to add tulips to that? What we, what we like to do is combine different bulb types. Like, for example, if you have a nice patch before the shrubs because they're relatively in the front. low in the mm -hmm. front. Then the which you plant in front of the tulips is a patch of muscaris, for example. Mm. They have a very long bloom time and a little lower, so you have a, a bigger uh, impact mm -hmm. in your garden. Mm -hmm. um, the same you can do with with daffodils. Combine them with um, varieties like alliums mm -hmm. uh, for nice oh. color combinations Ooh, as I well as that. longer bloom time. When you say um, combine, how are are you doing? Like planting one bulb at a time, or is there some trick to that? We, we no. We what we do is what we like is uh, plant bigger groups. Okay. Tulips, for example, um, minimum would be probably about the patch of twenty five bulbs mm -hmm. to give you a nice nice impact. So what right. we generally do is we dig a big hole and we dump a lot of bulbs in and then we flip them upside down. And um, I think I had told you this before, but the closer together they are, the more the bigger the show. Wow. So with tulips, you can basically plant them side by side. The traditional knowledge is four to five inches apart, but you can plant them more densely together and the show is just going to be bigger. Um, our warehouse manager actually does that so he can 
cut a percentage of them out of the patch and still have the show outside, but mm. also bring the flowers indoor mm. to cut to enjoy. Mm. So, so you dig a hole like a like a maybe a trench or a, a round right. yeah, irregular yeah. area. Right, oval. And are you taking more than one variety into that? Because I heard there was sort of like we've talked about mixing or something. That how does how does yeah? How do you know do, what you're doing then? What we do is, um, and you can also see this on our site where we where we combine varieties into collections. Um, you can either plant one variety in in one patch or mix mix I them up. I love that and, mix idea. Yeah, and usually when when you use you know complementary colors. So um, we also combine shapes. A lot of times we'll take a double, like a double late, and we'll put it with a triumph. Right. The reason why we're doing that is the doubles tend to be shorter, um, but they're the fuller, more P, almost like peony, peony looking, yeah. looking. And then you have the single flower that grows up from the top. And, you know, you can, we, we do pinks and purples together, oranges and reds. And what will happen is sometimes your bloom times are not exactly right on, but what it's going to do is it's going to extend the bloom time too because you're even if one comes into flower first and the other follows and then one dies off and the other's still blooming, you're going to have a longer bloom time with the tulips. Well, I noticed that on your website, like it's very clear when's early, mid, or late bloom. And so you could also get a, just do white tulips and have one of each and mix them together and maybe get a, a longer impact visually, right? Yes, yes, yeah. because different types of... <clears throat> Tulips have different bloom times, so you mm -hmm. can extend the bloom time for a, for a patch if you if you plant those types together. So I feel like there's sort of two things happening in my world, and one is I want tulips in the in the front of my house that are going to be ornamental, and I'm not going to cut them. I'm just going to want to see that curb appeal, right? When right. My, yes. For myself and my neighbors, mm -hmm. um, but in my raised beds in my backyard. I I did this year try that kind of method that I saw flower farmers doing where you're digging a wide trench, maybe 24 or 36 inches wide and just shoving in as many uh, bulbs, as you said, shoulder to shoulder, and then just letting them come up in for color impact. Um, that's, that's for production more often than just garden display or, or, I mean, do you see people doing that? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. we we actually um, promote doing that for people because that's when you get the best show. Wow, the, the biggest impact where people where you have the wow effect. So the you spring. don't have to just do it in a raised bed. It could just you could use that technique yes, elsewhere anywhere too. in a garden. Yes, but if you did just want to have cut flowers for a cut garden, that would be a technique just for having a lot of stems to cut for arranging and or right. gift giving. Certainly, I mean yeah. it's the the. Flower farmers are doing that because the side-by-side -side is not going to necessarily impact the growth on the tulips. And especially if you treat tulips like annuals. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want them to come back, you're not going to want to crowd them in and you're not going to want to sure. do that. Because um, you want to have that more naturalistic look. Right. Yeah. But tulips, and you know, a lot of people will promote that tulips are reliably perennial and that's with the Darwin hybrid category. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that, you know, that's a three or four year thing. So you would be lifting the tulips in a handful of years. So, you know. The so they're not like peonies that last for 40 years. They, they're, they're somewhat short lived. Yeah. Hans is nodding. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. You, you, you can, you, generally speaking, what will happen is that in, in, in two or three years time, you'll, you'll get less and less bloom. Sure. So at some point you just want to dig them up and. And fresh because they're just weakening. Correct. Yes. I love that you yes. and I've learned this from talking with both of you and also our our friend, our mutual friend Kathleen Liberty. Like there's this idea now that it's acceptable to treat your tulips or your dahlias as annuals. 
and it used to be weather dependent. Like if you were in a very cold area, your dahlias wouldn't winter, wouldn't winter over. Or maybe if you had, I don't know, a lot of squirrels, you wouldn't have necessarily be able to have bulbs that last over the winter. But now I'm seeing it's a fashion statement. It's, it's a color preference that's driving a lot of this, right? Right, because you want to change it, you know, from year to year. You want to change the color preference in your yard. Mm-hmm. There's there's also just trends in the marketplace. I mean, there's certain years where bold is in and there's certain years where pastels are in. I mean, if you went back to the 90s, pastels were a thing, you know, and now Mm -hmm. bolder colors, peaches, they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're more relevant. And Mm -hmm. people, it's just like you change the paint inside your house. You want to be able to change the color palette in front of your house. I think it's just talking about it and giving people that permission to not feel that, because they're relatively affordable. Um it's not like buying a rose plant or something. It's some, you know, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck when you buy, especially if you're buying these collections that you have or in bulk, you're getting a lot of, a a lot of value there. So why not treat yourself to a new color palette next year? Um, Right. Right. I'm telling myself that anyway. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we tell ourselves too. (laughs) Um, I'm just looking at this beautiful wall of, of bags here in, in your uh, conference room and just seeing how you're doing these collections. Is that something that's unique to Longfield Gardens? Like you've figured out that this is helping the consumer design their borders? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, everything we do is cu- customer-based. So when we go to pick products, the cornerstone of picking a product is actually the first thing we're doing, especially on the level of Costco, is we're color combining. Okay. So we're looking at color palettes and we're picking colors that, you know, some that are obviously look good together, but also we're looking at color trends in the floral marketplace Mm -hmm. and we're using those to bring collections into their stores. So, and we do it on our website too. I mean, some of our best sellers are the pre-sorted mixes that we have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you look on our website, the purple lady mix, the bright mix, I mean, all of those, you know, if you like purples, it's, it's a mix that's in shades of purple. And you've picked like the best performers. Yeah. 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 And how long does that take? Are you working on next year's now? Or like, how are you determining these collections that you... So 2020 dahlias are happening now. <laughs> right, right. I mean, look, we get these these color combinations mostly from the florist industry mm-hmm. where we see the, the color trends, mm-hmm. and then we 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 plan it up ourselves in those in those uh, combinations, and photograph to see how it comes out, and if it if it looks good, then we uh, build it into the assortment. And oh, some of the photography yeah. is done in Holland, so we're looking ahead now. You know, we look ahead now for. Tulips especially, because we're going to plant now. And then what we plant now is what's going to be photographed in the spring. Right. right. And then maybe right. sold the following year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, let's. I'm glad you brought that up about the uh, about planting the trial collections, Hans, because we just toured your amazing test gardens, hidden behind basically what's a warehouse in this beautiful landscape that you've basically developed, what, over the last couple of years? Or how old is that garden? It's um, about five years old. Yeah. It started with trenches. We did the trench planting just like your cut flower yeah. growers do. Yeah. Um, and the reason for the trenches was um, the experience to experience the varieties firsthand. Just to see them, yeah. see their performance. And we wanted yes. to see the colors and the way they perform in the U.S. And even um, even though we are uh, bald people and we've been doing this all our lives, we even we learn from planting it in a show garden. Yeah. You have to try to make it as residential as possible, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we can, um, we can, we can show customers, our own people that work here, uh, tour the garden so they can 
learn more of the product. And it actually brought us a lot of information in those five years. I bet. I did. It was kind of depressing for you to show me the deer fence and talk about the gopher protection. So you're like suffering from the same pests uh, and problems that a home gardener is going to have, even though it's a big display garden. You've got to factor that in, right? Yes, but it looks like we've got it under control now. <laughs> it does. It's, we only had to capture about 10 <laughs> groundhogs and take them elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Gentle removal, right? Um, so... Uh, we were talking about how busy you are over the course of the year. We'll, you'll be kind of all tulips, all daffodils, all muscari kind of through maybe Thanksgiving and that, that sort of time period. When do you stop yes. shipping? Yes, by pretty much the end of November. But okay. we then yeah. have um, November, December, January are big months for our amaryllis I, and indoor yes. products. Your amaryllis is so phenomenal. And I mean, the product, those are just big, fat, juicy bulbs. Like you're... You've got a niche in that, and and where who are who's mainly buying your amaryllis? Are they the people who are buying just the kit with one a, one bulb in a pot, or um, yeah. mostly they're bought the online? Mostly, what we're seeing is the consumers coming in and buying that big bulb and regifting it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Those really big bulbs are hard to find in the marketplace, yeah. and they do produce a really kind of foolproof. It's wow. <laughs> multiple stems. Yeah, right? multiple stems, yes. multiple and flowers. That's, and that's what you want because then people will experience that, that um, you know, two or three stems with, call it, uh, 15 flowers. Oh, my gosh. And that will make them come back again yeah. for the next year. Yeah. So when do you start shipping amaryllis bulbs? Octo- uh, October 16th is our first oh, ship date. okay. Yeah. If I wanted to give them as a holiday gift at, at December 25th, then I would want to pot them up. Like buy them in the middle of October and pot them up by November first, or what? What do you recommend? So if it, you want them flowering as the gift, mm-hmm. you would have to buy the Peruvian amaryllis, okay. which is a different product. I mean, it we have big bulbs there; they're going to perform well. Um, but what happens is they're genetically timed to bloom faster. Okay, so the, I, not, I shouldn't worry about trying to time it perfectly. No, then. the Dutch ones. I mean, it's great to give them a green stems because it's going to be a show to come once they receive the plant material. Right, but the Dutch the Dutch amaryllis will not typically not bloom before or on Christmas time. It's more of a spring. Yes, event. yes, it's it's an item you can you can gift at the Christmas season, and then people plant it right around that time or in January, and then it will bloom February on. Yeah, last year, uh, well, I guess this past year, um, I, I was part of this group for uh, a party for lifestyle bloggers, and in we called it Galentine's Day. It was at the end of January. Longfield Gardens gifted us 40 amaryllis bulbs so everybody who attended could have an amaryllis to take home. I watched people's Instagram feeds all the way through May posting, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. One woman uh, who uh, is not a gardener at all, she owns a, uh, a, a, a stationary store, but we've invited her. She put her amaryllis bulb in a, a vase of water, never put it in potting soil at all. And she was blown away by the blooms, and she just thought she wasn't a gardener, and it wow. gave her success. So they are they really are, easy. They are easy to grow, and they will grow on on just water, for that matter. Yes, I did not realize that. Yeah, probably not what you recommend, right? 
You probably able, want a little be, soil. Yes, yes. <laughs> you no, can grow them yeah, on water. The trick is that you don't want the water to hit the base of the bulb because the bulb can start to rot. So it has to sit low enough that the roots are just reaching into the I, water. I, she must have had gravel or something. Yes. I'm not 100% sure. Yep. But yeah, it was just... Plus, if you have the soil, then then it will actually create more roots and it will give the plant more stability. Yes. If you have these heavy flowers. Yes, because they do they do tilt over if you don't figure out right. how to stabilize them. Right. right. Yeah. Um, well, what are your... like? kind of insights for this 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 tulip season if i'm going to order what would you steer me toward is there there's the most popular color collections or best sellers what are you guys excited about or that you're seeing your customers are excited about um i think what i'm seeing a lot of in the marketplace right now in the cut flower is i'm seeing peaches um so we have variety called charming beauty dordone there are these nice soft peaches and i think what's happening is instead of combining pinks with yellow or pinks with white, you see a lot of combining happening with peach right now, Mm -hmm. which is like kind of Mm -hmm. a neutral, which Mm -hmm. you don't really expect. It's Um, a blending color that goes warm or cool also, right? Exactly. So it's, I mean, I've been seeing that happening for the last couple of years. Um, We do have some collections that are pre-sorted with what Hans talked about, where there's tulips with muscari, and those are combined with either multiple tulips or multiple daffodils and muscari. So you can plant uh, you know, a leveled garden, basically a tall factor, a shorter factor, and then a low front. Low. I yeah. like that. Well, I have re- in the past um, interviewed Alicia Schweedy and written about the program she's doing with Longfield right. Gardens, and that's the Flirty Fleurs kind of curated right. cut flower collection, so right? That collection came about where she actually grows those flowers in her home garden from our bulbs, and then she cuts them and makes the collection. So those are, the pictures are actually of our flower bulbs. In her she, vases. In yeah. her vases, and she's <clears throat> artfully combined them. She's very talented. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I thought that the first collection that you guys did with her a couple years ago was very compelling because it was a, a, a tulip that maybe not everyone would pick. It was like a red and white streak. Oh, a stellarine belt. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was a parrot. Yeah, yeah, it was, but it was kind of a hard color, a, a hard pattern flower to design with. And she really demystified it by combining it with whites. Whites and reds. Yeah. And yeah. Some yes, and different shaped colors. flowers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It came out really nice. Yeah. So that's, you're yeah. still having that available. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think for people who really want to have a cutting garden, that's a great way to go because it's already been determined that they're going to bloom approximately at the same time for your floral arranging. And we have some new cutting garden collections that we've designed where you can see like six or nine varieties that are already combined and, and they're, you know, in palettes so that, you know, they're flowers that we know are decently good for cutting. Oh yeah, I want to try one of those this year because uh, I have. I think that would fit in like a. I have about a, like a three and a half by seven foot raised bed. Right. Would that fit in that space? Yeah. So they're designed to yeah. fit into like a portion of a raised bed, so that you know, in the footprints that most raised beds are okay. designed in. I'm excited about that. What is? Is it more than tulips? Um, the cutting gardens are just tulips right oh, now. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Well, I would. Anything else we want to talk about with color and trend? I, I I know that we're all sitting around wondering. I mean, maybe Hans, being a guy, you aren't. But uh, what is the color? The Pantone color of two thousand nineteen. Do you guys talk about that? Oh yeah, of course. We watch all the color palettes. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I I mean to pick on you. <laughs> we, we also see that um, another couple of 
uh, different categories are coming up in the recent years. And for example, one of them is alliums. Okay, yeah, and let's talk about that. Alliums grow in, in more, more the purplish, bluish mm-hmm. uh, uh, color yeah. spectrums. And, and they're, they're uh, pretty much growing every year. And you know what's so always the, fashionable is the flowers that near black. Yes. I mean, yes. Queen of right. Night, it's never Ronaldo. Those flowers are never going to, I don't think ever be out of trend because they're so unique to the... It's so funny you say that. I was just at the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers conference and a a veteran flower grower from Kansas showed me a photo or in a... There were things on display and there was a a deep maroon Mm -hmm. dahlia. And she said, how can I get this color in the spring? I have a May wedding. And what else would be in that color? And I just immediately said, why don't you get tulips? I mean, that you can get that black maroon... Yes, saturated yes. color. That's it. Didn't matter what flower it is. It, it that's the time of year you need it. It's a tulip. Yeah. Um, but I also want to go back to the allium comment, Hans, because I always miss when I'm supposed to plant them because they're a summer bulb. But when do you plant your alliums? You plant them in the fall. Yes, you plant them. Okay, this, see, uh, along with the tulips. Okay, so I think I've made the mistake of missing that. I I was thinking it was more a planting at the same time as a dahlia. So there are alliums too that are planted in the spring, and they're more along the lines of the chai family. Okay. Um, the traditional bulb alliums, the ones that like the come, big globe master yeah. and correct. Yes, those you plant at this time. So I could, so. I should be, if I want those, I should be ordering those now too. Yes. And they yes. bloom more around May, May June. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and then the, even into the, July. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so they're is. actually better because they come on after your tulips are displayed. Right. Over. Yeah, once okay. you do your tulips, daffodils, the main uh, bulb categories have pretty much bloomed out. That's when the allium start. Hmm. Why is the allium? Bloom, and they bloom for a long time. Yeah, they do. So they're nice uh, for that time of year. They kind of fill the gap between the, the spring flowering bulbs and the summer flowering bulbs. They do. And they're also great for uh, dry flowers. Yeah. They're also really nice in peony gardens. I mean, they kind of come right at the same time as peonies. And we always say that's a weird time of year because you're kind of bridging the spring and the very beginning of the summer season. Yeah, and if you are into roses, your roses haven't come on yet. Right, right. All right, you've sold me on that. I've got to add some more more allium. The only one that I had this year was the drumstick allium. And I, I agree with you about its long display. It was so fascinating in bud. For, I actually kind of forgot I had planted them, so I was like, did I plant onions? What are these? And then they, the heads got so big by the end when they were almost like, you couldn't. they were kind of beyond cutting level, but they were interesting in the garden. Right, yes, and, yeah. and they bloom at the time when you don't expect them to bloom anymore. Right. Because they usually bloom, like, you know, starting July. I was literally putting them yes. in bouquets with sunflowers, which doesn't make any sense, yeah. but they, right. they happen to be there. next to the sunflowers in my raised bed. Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up. And that that is a, uh, also a traditional border. Uh, like if you, I think remember going to see English Gardens uh, at the Chelsea Flower Show. Like those, the allium borders are pretty stunning. Right. Yeah, and yes. they're pretty perennial too. So you see yeah. them a lot in print, like mature perennial with perennial beds. gardens. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. and they're deer resistant. They're family. They're an onion, in the onion uh, family, so they the deer don't like them, which yeah. is. So those you plant outside your fence, <laughs> yes, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to talk a little bit about what what your company is, and um, your last name Langeveld is Longfield, trans- Dutch into English, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Is yeah, that Langeveld where obviously it's not, not so easy to pronounce? So we decided <laughs> to turn it to Longfield. <laughs> well, how nice that it translated into something that 
Sort of implies garden also, right? right it's like a right. field, of, a long field. Um, yeah. you, you obviously um, have a bit of a Dutch accent, so I'm assuming you weren't born in the U.S. Or are you? Right. I, um, yes, I was born in Holland. And when, when right in a bulb district, um, mm-hmm. and grew up there. So I literally grew up among the bulbs. Wow. Uh, worked in um, in my dad's uh, bulb farm from, as a kid. As a kid, wow. From when I was eight years old. Every That's- every summer. That's how you got your um, your allowance then, right? Your yes. weekly extra yes. money, or or was yes. it a and job? It, it was well, it was it was in the summertime, and, and it usually um, worked out because that was not during my summer vacation. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we did everything from cleaning the bulbs to packing and and shipping. Wow. And in the springtime, we worked the bulb fields, mm-hmm. um, uh, doing the the weeding and. The, and um, uh, the, the cutting off of the heads mm-hmm. to, make, to make sure that the bulbs grow after that. So it's a lot like, I'm picturing it like when I live in Washington State, like up in Skagit Valley, where beautiful displays of tulips. But the whole point of that operation is to grow the bulbs. The bulbs, yes. Right. The flowers are yes. a byproduct. Correct. Yes. And in order to make the bulb grow, you cut the, bu- the flower off uh, at the time it's in full bloom. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Which so, allows you to appreciate the bloom for a while too. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And was that company called Langeveld? Yes. Okay. Yes. And is that does that company still exist in Holland? Those that's sort of your your yeah, partner then? Or? That was uh, that was my um, my parents' company, mm-hmm. and uh, that that no longer exi- oh, okay. exists. When did you migrate over or immigrate? <laughs> when did you immigrate or come to the U.S.? Uh, about ten years ago. Okay. Basically, when we started uh, Longfield. Wow. Moved over. Wow. And, um, and you just saw the opportunity for um, yes. this marketplace of growing bulb enthusiasts. Right, right. And what we do is, um, as, as I explained earlier, we package most of our bulbs in the U.S. Um, yeah. Close to the customer. You do. And that's why that's why we, we started it right here in New Jersey. And why you want to be on the East Coast. Right, yeah. close to the, uh, the shipping ports. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that we're all kind of seeing this, this, re- this new interest in um, cut flowers. I do think that it's um, uh, hopefully, I don't know, sometimes people ask me why I think there's a renaissance going on in people's interest in gardening and, and cut flowers. And I, I think people just yearning for a connection with nature, you know, that they want to appreciate how things grow. I don't know what well, it is, it is very rewarding because, um, of course, you, you have to put in a little time to plant the bulbs, but then you, you look forward to them to come up and you, you see the different stages before they start blooming. And it does bring people, um, call it, back into the garden. Yeah. I also think that there's this unique thing happening in the world today where everything is digitally connected and you're on your phone a lot. And, um, you know, I garden with my daughter and... You know, the lesson of putting a tulip bulb in the ground and being excited for like four or five, six months to see it come up in yes. the spring is like when they don't have a lot these days. Yes, so there's no instant gratification no, with that. No, right? and the anticipation, I mean, it's just amazing to watch her like kind of kind of feed that too. And that's what a, bu- a bulb, a fall bulb does. Mm-hmm. I mean, when that comes up, there's not a lot else going on. It's an amazing show. And in this day and age, yeah. you're so used to like, you know, hitting the order button and the order's on your step the next day. And it's a completely different experience. That's true. It slows us down. It does. Yeah. And when you do when you do have the bulbs uh, coming into bloom in the spring, um, usually it's the weather is time to get nicer and you go into the garden and, uh. you know, you come home from work, you check out your, your plants um, and it just, you feel the stress f- just flow out of you. Yeah. I it's love that. It's very... Um, Rewarding, for that matter. And for people who are downsized and who don't have 
They can a use yard. Pots. They can use pots, yes. right? That's what I was yes. trying to tell my friend who's here with me because she says, "Oh, we've got a, a landscape service that handles our yard." I said, "You you need bulbs. You need them in pots on your conti- yeah. on your deck." She's like, "Really? I could do that." But there is also this trend towards people moving um, closer to urban areas. The younger demographic is moving closer to urban mm-hmm. areas, smaller scale homes, smaller gardens. But that's almost ideal for bulbs because you can have a big show in a small space. So And talk about fashion. You're going to change their, your palette every fall with, with that attempt too. Yeah. You know what I want to talk about before we, we wrap up is this, this phenomenon of switching out your, um, your tulip. What, what I think is like your tulip season to your dahlia season. Like there's sort of a natural way to, to end tulips and start planting your dahlias even in this, if you had a raised bed, even in the same space, right? Right. Okay. So, what were well, you seeing people doing that both sort of again as an annual tradition? Yes, you need that. You need that in the fall. You need that 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 first uh, frost to kind of kill the the, the foliage of the dahlias mm-hmm. when they all turn black, and that's usually a good moment to dig them up and um, and replant it in the tulips. Wow. In, and in, there's no time, issue with disease or anything on the same area. No. Or? Okay. No. It's actually good to uh, change the crop. Okay. From one to another, from one season to another, um, to make sure that the soil stays healthy. Okay. With like different, with you know, different, different root material. Correct. Yeah. Okay. It's no and, different than creating an annual bed in front of your house. You're just mm-hmm. doing it with bulbs instead mm-hmm. of the potted plants you buy from your garden mm-hmm. center. So mm-hmm. you're, it's still that traditional uh, turnover where, you know, you might go from mums to, you know, pansies, whatever right. it is. It's a different so seasonal block, block of, of plant material. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, again, what we talked about getting people to think about uh, their tulips as an annual crop. The only reason you would, I mean, one of the main reasons you would want to do it is to to try different varieties, right? And maybe paint a different picture in your garden. And dahlias are the same way. Right. And at the same time, clean your garden up for the the wintertime because, Mm -hmm. you know, you get the the old foliage out, plant the bulbs, um, mulch it, and it's all ready to, to go. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. You've got me ready to go back to Seattle next week and not <laughs> plant yet, but start planning and, and making my my wish list of, of what I want to add. Um, anything else that we didn't talk about that I want to uh, that we want to mention to people? I want to show a lot of photos on our show notes uh, at DebraPrinzing.com. I'll get some photos of these collections we've discussed, and you've you have a lot of resources on your website that people can access for design and care and, and I mean, lots of reference material, right? Correct. Um, we've uh, put a lot of effort into creating a series of articles that are both inform- informative and also inspirational. We also have a series of videos that show you from, you know, start to finish how to plant um, to take some of the intimidation factor out. I think out. Hans stars in some of those videos, he don't does. you? Yes. He's got some yeah. pretty wild views on YouTube for his <laughs> elephant ear video. <laughs> oh, really? Is that your most popular one? Okay, we better throw that in there. <laughs> we uh, even talk about that. Um, but also, you know, if you follow us on our social media, you'll follow along with us on the trends because, you know, we constantly, as we're developing things, we're feeding our social media to share with our customer mm-hmm. because we want them along for the journey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know it's really fun to be able to put, put a photograph 
on my social media and tag you because you guys always respond and like like it within five minutes. Like, what if they're really glued to their phones? But I know it's a bit of a team. Of who, it's not just one person, right? It's also, um, we have integrated software that alerts us right away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we monitor that software and it alerts us and we can connect with everybody. I mean, we do feel like um, our journey is with the customer and we want to interact with that customer on a regular basis because we feel that when they take our bulbs home, we're not done. Um, sure. We need to be providing the information to make them successful. If anywhere along the way they have questions, you know, we're always available, social media, telephone, email mm-hmm. to answer those questions. I mean, we feel like it is a whole customer experience. It doesn't end when that bulb arrives at that person's house. We need to complete the journey with them. So, If they're successful, then they'll They'll want to stay with you and trust you for their next season. So it's an investment in that, like, lifelong gardener as well, of right? Of course. I yeah. mean, all of us, you know, when we garden, we know things happen. But, you know, you want that resource or that expert to come to, to, you know, assure you or encourage you along. So, you know, we've always believed that whatever we put out there, we have to complete that That's customer the point. experience. Yeah. They have to plant it, but you'll help them succeed in doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much. This has been really fun. And it's just, I really appreciate the partnership we have. Uh, You've been so supportive of Slow Flowers and the Slow Flowers community of people who care about where their flowers come from, that care about knowing who grows them and or growing them themselves. And I feel like we're we're on a path together too. And it's been really rewarding for me. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. so much for joining me today as we discuss all the things we need to know about bulb planting for cutting gardens, landscapes, and containers. I know you'll want to find and follow Longfield Gardens at all its social places, so check out those links at today's show notes too. We have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to join slowflowers.com and participate in our ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. We are a branding platform that will deliver for you and your customers. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 365,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors of the Slow Flowers podcast this year. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. 
Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products. And join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds. Supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family owned since 1978. Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at Mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown Program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. And the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together. And whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or you just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flowers dreams big for the industry's future. Head to teamflower.org slash slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.